Geek Nerdery. Player one, press start to play. Welcome to episode number one of Graveyard Duck podcast bonus level, uh, something a little special that we're going to give to you now and then. Um, so it'll just kind of be similar to the normal episodes, except instead of f- focusing on a game, uh, take, you know, there's so many other aspects of retro gaming that we never really get a chance to talk about. So we kind of mm-hmm. got the idea. Let's dig into some of that kind of here and uh probably keep these to some shorter episodes wouldn't you think like maybe 15 30 minutes somewhere in there yeah i think so i mean you know a bonus stage is usually a little bit shorter than the regular stage so uh, i think that's what we'll try to shoot for maybe cover off some of the other fun topics like uh some tv shows or cartoons accessories things like Mm -hmm. that there's so much out there and so um yeah Keeping with that theme, we decided, you know, one of the most fun things out there that, you know, we kind of lived through in the you know, late 80s, early 90s was there was this whole series of time where they decided it was a good idea to take video game franchises and make them into live action films. And mm-hmm. I mean, they, they decided to do this time after time after time. And I mean, I, it was I always know. a terrible idea. And they kept doing. <laughs> Somebody Sorry, decided, let's keep it going. But uh, yeah. Yeah. so you know, what the hell? Let's let's kick this off right and choose a um, live action video game film. And I decided to go with one that I hadn't seen actually since theaters, and was surprised to learn that you had never seen. Um, you paid money to see this in the theater. I saw it in the theater. Yes, I did. Um, yeah. So we are talking about the 1994 live-action movie Double Dragon. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I guess let's just go right to it. If uh, this is your first time watch, did you? I mean, are you fresh off of the watch? Did you just watch it this afternoon? Has it been a couple days to let you marinate? I just watched it uh, about an hour ago. Okay. So. Okay. So very, yeah. very fresh response. What did you think? It's a piece of shit. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but see, I... I had a feeling this came out in 94. So I was a junior in high school at the time. And from the moment I saw like previews of this, I think it was probably a Nintendo power at some point. Like, you know, here's a, here's a production shot of, you know, Scott Wolf and, you know, this other dude. And it's like, Oh, the double dragon movie is coming. Like that is not double dragon. Like I was a huge, huge fan of the arcade double dragon, the NES double dragon and double dragon two in the arcade and the NES three is a piece of shit, whatever. But it just from looking at the, like the stuff on like the movie in production and then seeing like, you know, Robert Patrick with his vanilla ice wannabe type hair and all this stuff. I'm like, <laughs> that is not double dragon at all. None of this is anything remotely like I enjoy from the game. So I just avoided it. I never, it, it never crossed my mind to watch it until I don't know. I guess, you know, in more recent years, 
it's been, you know, with the advent of mystery science and red letter media and stuff like that, it's more fun to just sit down and watch bad movies and enjoy them for them being bad. And so um, I think that's why I reluctant, reluctantly agreed to do this episode. But, <laughs> um, you know, and luckily the movie is on YouTube, which is good because I didn't have to pay a dime for it. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's really bad uh, just from the get-go. I mean, I don't know. Um, oddly enough, though, you know, what was weird is I was looking at the credits for uh, for the movie beforehand on IMDb, and the story was written by Paul Dini of all people. Who uh, Paul Dini is probably one of the uh, most well-known um, Batman storytellers out there from the animated series. Okay, and uh, just tons and tons of stuff. But you know, obviously, the early '90s. You know, he probably he was still Batman the animated series was a couple years old at that point. So, um, you know, maybe he's just taking whatever jobs that came to him. But the story in this movie was written by Paul Dini, and I don't know if it was written on the back of a cocktail napkin or <laughs> scribbled in the notes section of the instruction manual for the NES game. But um, yeah, it's it's terrible. All right, so th- this is going to be a fun little discussion here then because. Like I said, I saw this in theater. I was, uh, hell, I don't know, 12 years old at that time. Um, Uh Just lived and breathed everything Nintendo. And so I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. And at the time, like, knew none of these actors from anything. I think I recognized Scott Wolf from something, but nobody else was anybody who knew. Um, Do you recognize Robert Patrick? I I mean, I had... Two years, three years after Terminator 2. Yeah, which was one of my favorite movies, but like, I I don't know, I was young, I didn't recognize that that's who it was. Like, I'm not used to him with frosted yeah. tips. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, for, it's off of E2, and this is the movie that he picks. <laughs> but, wow. yeah, so I, I went to the theater, I saw this, I remember thinking that it was pretty bad, and mm-hmm. just walked mm-hmm. away, kind of like you did, just disappointed, like, this isn't Double Dragon. And, right. So I've never had any interest in revisiting it until we decided to do it for this. And yes, this was my suggestion. And it was kind of mostly out of a, uh, I guess, just kind of a, I guess, a sadistic level of fun. Like, let's see what fun we can have trash in this movie. Well, here's where I'm going to surprise you. So I sat down to watch this about a week ago, and Mm -hmm. I came away really, really enjoying it. Now, really? Yes. And I think that there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, number one, yeah, I'm not going to come to its defense and say it's a good movie. It's not. It's a bad movie. Right. Um, but as you kind of said... It was said, a movie that we probably made under budget. I will say that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I was looking that up. It got a $7.8 million budget. Um, it was not a success. Domestically, it made $2.3. Um, I'd say, point. how much of that budget was spent on cocaine? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> but... Um, you know, it's it. Um, it, it I, like I said, I'm not going to go to its defense and say it was a good movie. It's it's not. But right. as we kind of said, it's the time you know where watching shitty movies. And I mean, hell, I've watched shitty movies with you, and it's a fun thing to do. So I know that That's you're yeah, on yeah. board with these. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. I'm I'm just giving you shit. So yeah. Um, but like, so from that perspective, I enjoyed it. But also, like. I was really surprised to see that there is so much humor built into this. Like this is the kind of movie that uh, unlike a lot of other movies where I think that like they're trying to do something serious and just don't realize that this is just 
ludicrous. Mm-hmm. I took some notes and these are the only notes that I took, but of things that it's very, very clear that Mm. the people who made this movie knew that it was a joke and they were right in with the joke and they were just having a hell of a good time doing it. And for that, I give it a lot of credit and say, give this movie a shot. Don't take it too seriously. And it's actually a lot of fun. Um, I'll also say as a positive, the, the action like yeah it's bad early 90s action but Mm -hmm. um the guy who plays jimmy lee i mean i can say his name but nobody will recognize him by name but if you ever watch iron chef america he's the chairman Mm -hmm. um and he's actually a pretty well-known martial artist so the um the actual like choreographed fight scenes are actually very well done um Mm -hmm. so it's got that going but I, i mean Mark Dacascos? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, before we get too far into the, you know, things that I liked about it, let's real quick, if you have no idea what this movie is about um, and only know the video game, this, the story fo- does not follow that at all. Um, yeah. Billy and, and Jimmy. News, I have to know anything about it. <laughs> uh, basically, there's this uh, evil lord in, they're in New Angeles. This is, you know, mm-hmm. years after the world's kind of gone to hell. Um, right. 2007. This, you know, right. <laughs> after, after earthquakes have ravaged LA. Uh, this evil lord named uh, Shuko. Let me interrupt you for a second on that. Um, okay. As I started watching this and they start, they set up the whole, you know, dystopian LA thing. And I'm thinking to myself, this is just like the setting for Escape from LA. And then I looked up on, you know, because this came out in 94. I thought, well, maybe Escape from LA came out, you know, around the same time or whatever. No, Escape from LA came out two years later. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, obviously John Carpenter was remaking Escape from New York and Escape from LA, but did he not watch Double Dragon? Did somebody say, hey, you know, um, this other movie kind of is doing what you did or, you know, and are going to do. So I don't know. That that just seemed really weird that, you know, Escape from LA and Double Dragon seem to share sort of the same setting maybe that was also just kind of a thing of that era too oh yeah well and that's that's the funny thing is it's it's so rooted in the early 90s i mean as far as you know the um los angeles being sort of you know this haven of violence and this dystopian nightmare of you know earthquakes and floods and uh gang violence and you know criminals run amok and it's just um it's such a, a a great time capsule of you know the, the fears of the early nineties just hundred percent. Yeah. It's yeah. It's time stamped, and you're never going to take that off. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but yeah, so Shuko basically is looking for this medallion of which there are two parts. Um, one that has the power over body. One has the power over soul. Um, it just so happens that they've fallen into the hands of, well, Shuko, Shuko has found one piece and the other mm-hmm. piece has fallen into the hands of Billy and Jimmy who are just, you know, martial artists, you know, yeah. tournament style. They're in their um, cheap ass karate kid tournament in the beginning right, of the movie. Exactly. And they yeah. kind of figure out like, oh, this guy's after this other thing, so we've got to stop him. And it just kind of becomes a let's run away from Shuko as he's trying to get the other piece of the medallion and it, you know, escalates from there. And he's you know, Shuko's got his whole gang of street thugs basically and and you see all the faces you know from the game like a bobo is in here um they've got hold on no none of none of the faces that i know okay all they did they they took the name a bobo 
but they gave him a first name, and his first name was Bo. So they gave <laughs> him as Bo Abobo. Like, are you freaking kidding me? He's not like it's not some muscle bald dude. No, it's just like this Mad Max wannabe reject guy. But but then he gets like you know thrown into the D Evolver from Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it becomes like I don't know. Uh, you've I can't even explain it. <laughs> you've got some other names that you'll you'll recognize from from the games that are in there, and you know the Shuko does yeah, kind of have his and that's about it. <laughs> no Roper, no Williams, no Linda, no Where's Machine Linda? Gun Willie. You got Linda? Where was Linda? Did I miss Christ- her? Christina Wagner. She was playing uh, Linda Lash with her whip. She was kind of like Shuko's, you know, second hand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then she had the whip, of course. Yeah. Yep. So, um, but yeah. So anyway, it was, it's basically just, you know, your, your standard action movie. They're trying to keep the medallion away from Shuko. He ends up, you know, mm-hmm. getting it and they have to have the big fight and, you know, save the day and yada, yada. And he's got um, his nano powers and his, you know, whatever he does. Right. And flicking his cigarette around. Yep. All right. So let me, l- l- let me read down my list of just some of the things that I found charming about this. And then if you want to rebut them, go for it. <laughs> but, um, um, Number one, off the bat, I would say that, you know, this really does, you know, whether they're slumming it or not, have a good cast of, you know, actors in it. You know, we, we mentioned Robert Patrick. Uh, I mean, Scott Wolf, I'm not going to say is the greatest actor in the world, but at least he's a name people know. Um, Alyssa Milano was in this, which was surprising to see. Um, got cameos from Vanna White. Um, Andy Dick <laughs> shows up in it. <laughs> um, of course. So it was just kind of surprising to see as many names as there was. Um, who was the other guy? Oh, Michael Berryman is in here. Yep. You know, yeah, one of those, a bit part. Yeah. So it, it was it was kind of fun to watch it. And, you know, that's one of those things that when I saw this in 94, I was like, yeah, I don't know who any of these people are. But huh. now... Hey, Al Leong was here. He had one of the biggest roles of his career. If you don't know <laughs> Al Leong, the... Um, he was the uh, henchman in Die Hard that uh, was eating the candy bars. And he's shown up in tons and tons of movies. Big Trouble in Little China. Um, lots like of weapons and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he actually like has you know speaking dialogue in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, I hope he got paid for this. Like, that dude's one of my favorite dudes. So, um, Yeah, and I mean, like, his character was involved in several of the scenes of comedy that I just thought were funny. Like, mm-hmm. at one point... Uh, I forget if it was him or his partner, but like one of them has this really long ponytail and mm-hmm. uh, he's fighting with Billy at one point And like during this kind of like slapstick fight, Billy like sl- slams his ponytail in a suitcase. And yeah, that's how, yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, funny in its own right. Cause it kind of traps him and distracts him for a second. But then a scene, you know, a few minutes later shows him and his partner standing there talking to Shuko and he's still got the suitcase hanging from his ponytail. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> course and i mean like that was perfect like w- when you see that scene it's like okay they know what they're doing here <laughs> yeah i uh, i won't disagree with you there i think that they did definitely put some comedy into this because they probably realized that on paper it was kind of a turd so they thought well we're all getting paid for this we might as well at least kind of punch it up a little bit well alion and his partner they're named huey and lewis and yeah there's even a scene where Shuko looks at the two of them and wants an update. And he goes, Huey Lewis news. And it's like, yeah. come on. <laughs> we've, got a, 
a character looks at um actually it was linda she's in a chick fight with um Alyssa milano and has mm-hmm. her kind of pinned up against the wall and says you know now who's the boss uh-huh. Uh-huh. i mean come on that's yeah. good stuff <laughs> fucking terrible <laughs> i mean but it's just you know this is the kind of movie that you're gonna drink a couple of beers and and laugh at which yes. is exactly what i did when i watched this movie but yeah uh yeah it, it's funny too because like you were mentioning like all the the celebrity cameos in this movie they stick out as being really awkward. Like, I don't know if, you know, the producer just, you know, knew a lot of people and talked them into this, but, you know, like put like Vanna White and George Hamilton in there and just, you can tell that they're just like there to earn a paycheck and they're kind of like, oh yeah, I made this, uh, this kids movie based on this game. But uh, it was just kind of awkward. It was, and a little sad, I guess, but uh, I don't know. And, I mean, they were slumming it for sure, but I think that yeah, they were all kind of yeah. having a good time doing it too. I, um, I suppose, and you know, even Robert Patrick was chewing the scenery in about every scene that he was in. So I oh, guess at yeah. least, you know, enjoying himself. But I mean, Andy Dick is the the smog caster when you know yeah. their version of the weatherman, and now this you know dystopian L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, Vanna White, you know, is the the news anchor who. I mean, as she's just kind of reading through some of the stories that are going on, like number one, I love that they were, when they were reading the weather, they were showing the different cities mm-hmm. and not only was there new Angeles, but did you notice that uh, Canada is now law Canada? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a news story talking about the celebrity gossip and how, you know, Madonna has decided that she's going to end her, you know, longtime marriage to um, Tom Arnold um <laughs> just i don't know it's just like as all that stuff starts flying by me it's like yeah it's all stupid and ridiculous mm-hmm. but it, it just you know, went it, like, it just goes to it show that it, it, one it wasn't made for 12 year olds who are you know the demographic that originally saw it it's mm-hmm. the kind of movie that now you know unfortunately like yeah it got just got buried by its reputation but mm-hmm. i i don't know like okay. I had a hell of a good time watching this and um, I'm, I'm going to defend it. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. It's like the, the news segments and everything just, it, it reminded me of like, like the movie was trying to be like what RoboCop did in 87 where, right. you know, sort of this tongue in cheek sort of dystopian look about things, but it didn't really, I don't know. The setting doesn't really match the story, but at the same time, I guess if you if you looked at and I don't think anybody that was involved in this movie ever played any of the games, but if you looked at like Double Dragon Two, like the NES one, it's it's kind of like a dystopian kind of thing. It's like oh, it takes place in 19xx and you know all this sort of weird retro futuristic kind of thing. So I mean, maybe that's kind of what they were kind of going for from there, but I don't know. Um, but even from the get go, like the first scene you know, where it's like the history of the the metal or something like the first subtitle just says somewhere in China, like, were they just not, did they not care enough to like put an actual city or province in there to kind of give it more of a developed story? It was just like, ah, it's somewhere, somewhere in China where things are different. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but it's just, and the casting of Scott Wolf and, and Iron Chef, I guess, I don't know if that's just who was available at the time or who they thought was going to be you know, like the the hot new young actors. I don't know, but it just didn't. And maybe because I'm only seeing this for the first time, like 
you know, now when I'm older, but neither of them seem like what my interpretation of the characters would have been uh, from having played the earlier game. But you got to figure too, though, that like the arcade game came out in 88. This movie came out in 94. So, I mean, there was like a long period of time where, you know, whatever the story or the mythos of the games was, you know, sort of just kind of morphed and changed a little bit into what the film is. And maybe that's why I just didn't want to see it when I was, you know, in high school, because I liked the first two games. I had an idea of what I thought the story kind of was. And to me, like seeing this, like this wasn't what I was used to. So I don't know. Well, and that's one unfortunate trope about all of the movies and cartoons and everything else from this era when mm. it's based on a video game, like we, you know, the diehard fans know what the story is. We know yeah. what the characters are. And so, and, and unfortunately, like most of these, you know, didn't follow canon mm-hmm. at all. And, you know, in, in a lot of cases that just got y'all pissed off and riled up. Right. Um, you know, but I, I guess seeing this now, I had just come to accept that, you know, I've seen yeah. the Mario brothers movie. Hell, I own the Mario brothers movie, you know, I've seen all the cartoons, all the different stuff where it's just like, yeah, obviously these were made by people who got a copy of the instruction book or, you know, maybe not even that. They saw the, you know, box and just looked at the screenshots on the back and said, all right, good enough. Yeah. Um, or well, in those cases, it's probably like, oh, we had another script and we're just going to, you know, refashion it. Sure. Make, put the characters in. I don't know. Yeah, we know that in this movie they at least saw the uh, arcade cabinet because it makes a cameo appearance in the movie. Um, yeah, and that's that was like the saddest scene for me, like seeing the arcade cabinets get destroyed. Yeah. That's, uh, and seeing them all spray painted and everything. It's like, no! Yeah. It belong in the museum. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, and there weren't even any, like, signature double dragon moves. Like, you know, nobody elbow punches anybody. There's no hurricane kick. I mean, they have kind of their let's hold hands and spin around kick. Thing. Yeah. But you know, just the, the fight choreography was just really lame and weak, but I guess, you know, like you're saying, it's kind of a product of its time and that, you know, 94 was kind of a time where, you know, you just kind of made this movie like it was, Oh, it's, you know, it's a kid's movie, whatever. And like we didn't, it wasn't until a couple years later when, you know, you started getting a lot of the Jackie Chan films brought over here. You got uh, Yun Wu Ping starting, uh, to choreograph like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and really putting a, a effort on good quality fight scenes. And I think that's why, you know, like some of the fight scenes in this movie, they're just not very good. But that was the time. I mean, that was, you know, it was what it was, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's one thing that I've learned, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s is that any executive who was in charge of children's programming, whether it's cartoons or movies, uh, was very familiar with the phrase "good enough." Mm-hmm. Um, so well, trust me, I know because after I finished this movie, I started watching the uh, Dungeons and Dragons cartoon because I had <laughs> time. I saw I saw it recommended on YouTube. I'm like, yeah, I'll check this out. And, yeah, I remember why I didn't watch this for a long time. Now. Yeah. So. so I guess my final closing thoughts on this are going to be: um, Yeah, if you're a double de- dragon purist. Um, it will probably upset you and offend you. But mm-hmm. if you're just looking for a movie, that's a good timepiece of early nineties. Um, if that's your thing or just want a totally cheesy, but not, not cheesy in that, like it's so bad. It's good. I'm going to go ahead right. and say that this is a good movie that knows it's cheesy. 
and there's a difference. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's no it's no samurai cop. I mean, you know, where it's not like incredibly incredibly bad. It's just kind of like sad and and cringeworthy a little bit. But with a few beers, I think it's fun to make fun of. Yeah, and like I said, I think the fact that they knew that that's what the product was like nobody who made this was like surprised they, they were probably surprised right. by the box office but i don't think that they were yeah. surprised by the fact that it was I a laughable it, film like they knew what they were making and as an adult watching it that comes through and i appreciate that and i i had a great time i'll watch it again yeah well you know it's funny as, as i was watching it and like you were saying like the budget was really high but having seen a ton of movies and recognizing like you know some locales and locations and stuff you could tell that this movie was shot mostly around Los Angeles in a lot of locations that you've probably seen in other films. In fact, like um, I forget what the uh, highway is there that in T2 or the, or the original Terminator when the police chase is happening under the bridge or whatever, like you can spot that exact locale in one of the shots. And then there's, you know, several one, uh, other ones that take place around LA that you've probably seen in other films. So as I was watching this, I was just kind of thinking, yeah, this is probably something where they just, you know, got a couple of permits, blocked off a few streets, you know, let's shoot this quick film and, you know, we'll have it in theaters by Christmas or whatever, and we'll make some money off of it. So, you know, not, not terrible. Um, definitely not good. It's, it's fun to make fun of, but um, you can definitely see where it was just kind of like a cash grab, I guess. So what do you think? Would you watch it again? Um, if I had a group of people and we were all drinking and making fun of it, yeah. But if I was just like kind of bored and wanting to watch a movie on a Saturday afternoon, probably not. But like I said, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for it because I didn't, I, I didn't see it when I, when it came out. All right. So it sounds like next time I come to your house, I'm bringing this movie and a case of beer. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that wraps up our first graveyard duck bonus level. So yeah, keep, Keep an ear out for these. I don't know how often we'll do them. Maybe, you know, every other week or a little less frequently. It depends on as we come up with ideas we want to chat about. But um, you never know. I mean, bonus stages just sometimes just tend to appear. So uh, just stay tuned to the feed and uh, you'll see them pop up occasionally. All righty. Well, I'm Scott. And I'm Wes. And this movie was really shitty. Game over.